Okay. So, guys, uh, my name's Jonathan. I'm, I'm one of the pastors, the other pastor at City Light besides Christian. Um, I'm basically the backbone of the church. You don't see me do... You know, I don't uh, get a lot of glory, but, um, but I pretty much do everything. Christian's just a pretty face. Um, Really quickly, we just wanted to point out that Easter is coming. It's April 21st, so it's late this year, so it's going to be warm. Um, we have our, our enormous Easter icon, uh, April 14th, that's going to be following service on Sunday. And we expect a lot of people from the community to come out. So please sign up to help out because we need kind of a whole village to run this thing because we have a lot of people coming out. And we want to impress, not impress them, but we want them to think, wow, this is well organized. Wow, Jonathan's done a great job because we know he does all the behind the scenes stuff. So, but, but Easter is a great opportunity to invite um, people that don't normally go to church, you know, just say, hey, Easter's here, you know, maybe you're slightly religious or something, and you feel guilty to come, to, you know, Easter, so come with me, this would be a great thing, or, you know, there might be people at work, or your neighbors, or whatever, we have cards that we've handed out, given to you guys, just pray and see if God has anybody, I have a couple people that I'm going to ask to come along, you know, they can sit with me on stage, like, come on up here, no, I'm teasing, but, you know, actually, inviting people and say, hey, come sit with me. That actually means something. Like, come sit with me at church. Come, with, come join me at church. That'd be really cool. So let's, uh, I want to actually take a moment just to ask God to, if there's anybody in our lives that we're, you know, supposed to invite, let's ask him to put that into our minds. So I'm going to pray real quick. God, I pray that uh, every person here, Lord, would consider inviting somebody. And that if there's someone that we're supposed to, that you have on your heart, that you want us to invite, Lord, that we would be bold enough to do that, that you put their name in our, on our heart, God, and that we would have opportunity to do that. So, Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, week three of Death to Selfie. So, in a selfie culture, have we forgotten what is, what's really important? You know, and how, how to deny yourself. And, you know, uh, people do say that this culture, this time that we're in, is the most self-absorbed, self you know, reliant, self-loving culture that we ever have been in. I don't know if that's true because doesn't it seem like wherever you're, whatever season you're in, people always like to say it's like the worst, you know, because maybe back in Roman, you know, maybe they love themselves more. Who knows? But I'm saying that there is a culture that we have to work actively against, you know, and, and, and we're in a culture that values independence, self-reliance, that values success and, and, and fame. And, um, and are those things bad? Like, in and of themselves, they're not bad. To be self-reliant is a great thing. To be independent is great. To, to have, you know, fame or success, those things are good. But they become, when they become so much like that you, that's all you look for, that's all you desire, that's when priorities get screwed up and that's when you can really miss the mark on your life. That's why we're talking about why it's so important that we don't get caught up in, in this kind of superficial lifestyle where we want praise of people. We want to be impressive. We want to, to have attention. And so it's hard, you know, and have you noticed that the worst, maybe this is just me, but the worst part of who I am comes naturally to me, unfortunately. Like I realize that if I'm not actively working against the things I know are broken inside of me, the things I know that are selfish or narcissistic or prideful or, you know, lustful or whatever. If I'm not, like, my default is like a horrible human, really. And, and, and you actually have to work hard to become the best version of yourself. You actually have to have it ahead of you, like, see it and, and fight for it. And so this is why we're not, we don't want to just live default, where we're just living for self, 
living for pleasure, living for comfort, we know there's more that God has for us. And so today we're going to be talking about the struggle with pride. Because pride definitely gets in the way of us being able to follow Jesus, of us being able to deny ourselves. It keeps us from focused, being focused on, on things that are important. And it's going to be really closely tied to what Christian talked about last week. Which is, do you guys remember his, his saying? WW. I won, right? W-W-I-W. I was with kids last week in the kids' ministry. Everybody's like, whenever I'm back there with kids, they're always like, where were you at church, buddy? I'm like, I was doing something much harder than you, buddy. So I was at church last week, but I was just, you know, teaching your children as they were throwing balloons at me about Jesus. So this thing is really crazy here. Okay. It's, go- it's going crazy. So this is the hard thing about talking about pride is that we all know, you know, that this is it. Stop being prideful, start being humble. It's not like a mystery. No one's like, yes, it's great to be prideful. You should be as prideful as possible. We all know that pride is, is a stumbling block. We all know pride is not a good thing. It's not a virtue that you strive for. Can I be the most arrogant person on my block? You know, no one wants that. You want to be humble. You know, but the problem is, is that pride is so self-deceiving. It's something that stays hidden, and it's so much easier to see it on someone else than to see it in you, right? You know when you see someone prideful, and you're like, oh, that person is so prideful, I just can't believe, you know, and you get frustrated when you see someone else who's prideful, but if anybody ever called you prideful, it'd be like, how prideful are you for calling me prideful, right? You're like, you know, defensive, because we as humans love to have rationalization, justification, and have a great defense for everything we do. And rarely do we see any kind of pride in us because we don't look for it, but we see it in other people. And that's a problem because pride, when it gets into our relationships, when it gets into our you know, goals and our career, when pride gets in there, it's actually a stumbling block. It keeps us from growing. And so I want to talk about what is pride, because we, we know it generally. But let me just tell you a story. And this is great, because it's happened this week. And it happened with my daughter, and, and, and Selah. She's 18. And she's the most prideful person I know. No, I'm teasing. No, it's about me. Okay, and we were... Yeah. Since we've transitioned, we, Christian and I work at home, and, and so we're not used to working at home. And Selah has been doing this really cool thing called dual, where she goes to high school part of the time, and she goes to community college, and she's a senior in high school. That means, though, in afternoons, she's home with me. And the thing is, we have different like, uh, priorities. Like, I like to keep things clean. She like, makes a smoothie, and it's all over the kitchen. And there's peanut butter on the ceiling. And it's just like, okay. Uh, she likes to watch TV during her downtime because she works a lot. She works at nights. And so she's watching TV extremely loud. And I'm in the dining room and I can hear it. I'm like, I don't want to be listening to the blacklist when I'm trying to hear from Jesus right now. Okay, so that's the backstory. But basically, this, this is really... Guys, something to know about my ear is that it's kind of like deformed. It, these things never work. Okay. Here we go. Okay. And so this is the thing. I, I've gotten to the place where every time I see her during the day, I'm annoyed by her right away. And I'm like, and, 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 she, and she knows it. 
the thing about Sayla is that she's very, she's very discerning and she can tell. And, and she walks in and I'm like, I've got like five things I want to tell her right when she walks in, like, don't make this mess. Don't do this. Take out the dog, do this. Right. And she's just like done, you know, she wants a break. And so she's like, we got into this fight and she's like, I feel like you hate me every time I see you. And all of a sudden I was like, you feel that way? I can't believe you would accuse me of hating you. You're my daughter. I've given everything for you. You know, I've served you all your 18 years. And then, and then she's like, but I just feel like all you do is tell me the things I'm doing wrong all the time. And I never feel any kind of emotional connection to you. And I'm like, well, you know why there's no emotional connection? It's because you're a slob. And all you do is watch TV. Right. And fortunately, Rebecca was there while we were having this conversation. And I was mad too, because I felt like she was making me look bad in front of my wife. And so Rebecca got involved and she was like, all right, Jonathan, you need to start listening. Did you hear Sayla's heart? And I got all defensive. And this is the thing. I felt right and justified in this argument. Like, no, I don't hate you. But this is a problem with pride. In Philippians 2.3, this is a, a letter that was written to the church, the people who wanted to follow Jesus. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, humility, value others above yourself. And this is a problem. Let me get it. Okay, so vain conceit. This is what vain conceit is. Never admit when you're wrong. And I did not want to admit that I was wrong, that I was treating her poorly. That I was treating her with contempt. I didn't want to admit that. And I didn't admit it the whole time until later on. Okay. Next, selfish ambition. So she brought up something that I was doing to hurt her. Well, as soon as she brought that up, guess what I just started doing? Well, what are you, you know what you do during the day. It was like we were two little kids fighting. Uh-oh. Oh. How you doing? <laughs> I'm going to confront you about your parenting. I need as much help as I can get How's in that, that area. Is that's that horrible? No, that's great. How's it look, guys? Pretty impressive, right? We took all the pictures off. Yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Humility is what we're talking about here, and I have a Band-Aid across my face. You know, I'm not that good looking, but I do consider myself kind of all right, and so like... But selfish ambition is when you make it all about yourself. So I took her issue and I twisted it around to be about me and what I was upset about. Well, you don't. And so I was entering into pride. There was pride in my relationship towards her that I hadn't even seen. I didn't even know it was there until she brought it up one night. And it was sad because she was crying, but I didn't care because I was prideful about it. Okay. So there have been many bad ideas for how to combat pride in your life. And I see it kind of as this, uh, this, this umbrella of don't ever appear to be great. So there's many ways over the years that people who follow Jesus say, this is how you should be humble. The first one is, you think you're a worm. Like you are nothing. You, do, you devalue yourself. You're like a slug before everybody and God. You can't see anything good about you. And that's being humble. That's dumb. Okay, next. Nothing you do good is you. Have you ever talked to someone who's done something that you've been really impressed by and say, hey man, that was awesome. Like, oh, that wasn't me. That was God. Like, well, I'm pretty sure it was you. I saw you up there doing that good thing. No, 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 that was God. I'm not going to take any credit for that. No, come on. That's just false humility. That, that's going to lead down a path that, that is going to end in death. Okay, next. <laughs> Always defer to others so they get attention. And this is what I did all the time because I, I was afraid of doing anything that brought attention to myself and I could mask that in, well, I'm just a humble person. And you know what? That doesn't work. That doesn't cut it for God because God actually gave each one of us talents that we're meant to use 
and not hide. And so I was hiding, and I would, a lot of times we hide, and we say, oh, we're, we're powerless, and that's because we're humble. No. Actually, God has given us all things to use, gifts to use, power to be exerted, and oftentimes we mask fear, and we call it humility. And so those, all these things are under this, don't ever appear to be great. Like Christians need to have their heads down, and you see this throughout the, you know, like Christians would wear the, the worst clothing Christians still wear the worst clothing, but, but in a different way. But, you know, they would wear, like, you know, things that looked poor. Like, that wasn't ever God's intention. He cares a whole lot more what's going on inside than what we look like on the outside. So these are all wrong. You guys like that? <laughs> right? These are all ways to deal with humility and pride that are going to not actually solve the problem. And so, actually, Jesus never said not to be great. Jesus actually never put it out there say, hey, if you guys really want to be humble, you have to look like a slug. You shouldn't try to be great. You shouldn't try to, to be, you know, to, to get attention or you shouldn't try all these things. Jesus never said that, actually. Okay. I just want to make sure I know where my slides are. Let me catch up. Jesus, Jesus never said that. Here we go. And I believe there's greatness inside all of us because we're made in the image of God and no matter how many times people have pushed you down and said you're nothing or you're not worth it or whatever, you have nothing to give, every one of us, because we have this divine spark within us, every one of us has something to offer. Every one of us has greatness inside of us. And that's why we deal with pride and humility because we want to be great. We know it. There's a part of us that wants to you know, make a difference in this world. There's a part of us that wants to feel important. And that's okay. It's okay to want to feel important. Jesus never said not to be great. But how we get there is, is, is what it's all about. And so, have you, how do we get to be great but not lose our humility? It's the question we're, we're dealing with here. Have you guys ever heard of the statement, absolute power corrupts absolutely? Yeah? And we all kind of take that for granted. Like, yeah, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we know, because we've seen a lot of people have, throughout history who have a lot of power and they've done a lot of awful things. And we're thinking that, you know, when you get that power, it corrupts you. Um, but Erwin McManus, he's a pastor in California who I love. And he actually says, he doesn't believe that power doesn't corrupt, but actually reveals who you are. As you gain and grow in power, who you really are becomes more and more evident. And so if you have pride hidden in your heart, when you're little and you don't have a whole lot of power, it might not really show a whole lot. But as you gain power, you begin to influence that. And if you don't deal with pride, you'll see it. Have you ever had a teacher who was an absolute control freak in high school? Like they reigned over their classroom like a reign of terror. I had one in ninth grade. I was homeschooled up until ninth grade. I went to school in ninth grade. My algebra teacher um, taught us. And honestly, she terrified me. And I was, I was 15, and I was coming home every day crying in my mom's arms because... You can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> I, I laugh with a tear in my eyes when I think about it. And what really stinks is that my birthday was, is always in September. It hasn't changed. It's in September. So that's right when you're going back to school. And so, like, I was literally crying about how mean and awful this teacher was, how much she scared me during why my you know, parents were singing happy birthday to me. It was, it was terrible. But you see that. You see that with parents who gain a little bit of power. And if they have pride and control issues in their hearts, guess what? They take their power. They, they reign over their kids. And you see, that's why you see abuse. That's why you see control. That's why you see verbal abuse, that kind of stuff. You see it with people who are the wealthiest in the world, the most powerful in the world. What they use, they leverage their power, some of them, to gain more power and more wealth. And so, 
power can corrupt, but I think instead it reveals what's in your heart already. Because there's a lot of people who have had power in their lives who have done great, amazing things in this world. And I think the greatest person on this earth, whoever walked this earth, was Jesus. And Jesus, as he gained power, he didn't, he didn't use it to lord over. He didn't use it to control. He didn't use it to cause everybody to do his bidding. Instead, he used it to be a blessing to so many people, to change the lives of so many people. And so we're going to look at a story of Jesus using his power. It was just before us. So this is right before he's about to go to the cross. Okay, and he's meeting for dinner, Passover feast with his disciples. So John 13, 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And this is kind of cool because a lot of times when you read the Gospels, you just see like facts about what Jesus did. But this is actually, you get a glimpse into his heart, what motivated him. And this is the thing. When love is at the foundation of your heart, when love is at the core of who you are, there's not much room for pride. And you see, you see Jesus loving his, his people, loving the world, saying, this is my heart. And actually love will make you actually swallow your pride. I remember in high school, I was smitten by my current wife, my only wife, Re- Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> my current wife. I've had four or five others, but this is my current wife. Um, my one and only wife. Can we take that off the, the, the whatever, the recording? Back then she was named Becky, though, so she was kind of different. We, called her, we all called her Becky, and then she decided to switch her name in her senior year to Rebecca, which is a really big adjustment. Anyway... I was really, you know, like I, I really liked her and she, I thought she was awesome and I was flirting with her. And I was also really afraid of, you know, attention and I didn't like speaking in front of people. I didn't like singing. I didn't like any, I didn't do any of that stuff ever. Actually, my older brother did all that stuff. And I looked up to him. I was in his shadow and I thought he was amazing. He could do everything and I could do nothing. I felt like I was the worm, honestly, when I compared myself to him. Not anymore. I'm better than him. Okay. Um, I've been healed. <laughs> But Rebecca was like a theater girl, and so she always got the leads in the musical. And she was like, hey, you should try out for this. You should really do this. And I was like, oh, I really want to spend more time with her, and I really don't want to do anything in front of anybody. I don't want to audition. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to sing in front of my friends. And so the thing is, when love is compelling you, you'll do things that make you look foolish. You're willing to put your pride under your feet when love is promoting you. And so I actually did audition, and I actually got a lead part, which was really terrible. I couldn't believe it. And so then I had to actually sing in front of them. I remember the first day I had to sing in front of my cast. And I've said this, I've told this story before, but this is, it's too good not to. But it was like, all your friends were out there and there was a piano and I had to sing my song. And I remember I started singing it and I just, I was so afraid and my face got so red. And I had this really special thing back then, especially that my ears would grow purple when I got really afraid. And so my ears were purple. I felt like, you know, like the butt sweat, you know, going. I was like everything. And I was singing and my voice like was cracking left and right. And I was like flat and high. I mean, whatever. It was, it was horrible. And I thought, is she worth this? <laughs> because I definitely feel humble right now. <laughs> is she worth it? But when love, when you allow love into your life, when love motivates you, you, that's one way to deal with pride. 
Because you are willing to overcome your pride. You're willing to swallow your pride. You're willing to do foolish things. And so Jesus loved his disciples. He loved them so much. And he loved all of us, even now. And so when you tap into love, it leaves less room for pride. And so let's go on. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. We all know this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and he was returning to God. This is kind of an awesome statement. Because let's remember how Jesus came to this earth. He came not as a king, not as having it all together. He came as a little baby where he had no power. He had to rely on everybody else to help him. And he was the son of God. And so here he is. He's matured. He's grown. He's come into the fullness of his ministry. And now he's got all power. He knows he's got all power. It's like, you know, I got the power, right? He's got the power. He's got it all. You know, and, and, and not only that, now he knew you know, it's kind of like the hero's journey. Who am I? Now he knows. I've come from God. Where am I going? You're returning to God. He knew it all. He knew his identity. He knew his future. He knew his purpose. He knew his power. It's like every Marvel superhero story where they're like, oh, who am I? And then they realize, oh, I know who I am. I'm, you know, I'm this person and now I will defeat my enemies with all my power. Right? He had the power. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Not here. And so, what would you do if you had all the power? It's interesting to think about if you had all the power. Because, I don't know about you, but I really hate spending a long time in drive throughs That's what you would do? Well, listen, listen. <laughs> I would sit there, and if I did have all the power, and they were taking... Like, have you ever sat in a drive through for like 10 minutes, and you're like... What is going on? Are they killing a cow right now? What is happening? And, and I'm like, you know, and, and my kids are like, Papa, you really need to work on your patience. You're really terrible. And I'm like, seething. If I had all the power, I'd probably like delete those cars in front of me. Maybe even just wipe them out. Maybe just wipe out the whole restaurant. McDonald's, you are gone. <laughs> and no one would miss you. <laughs> You know, if you had the power. And so I, I, I thought I'd dig into, um, you know, the, the, the crown jewel of the internet, which is Reddit and Quora, and, and, and look at some of the answers. If you had absolute power, what would you do? If I had all the power, then I will do the following things. Firstly, I will kill all the terrorists around the world and also bad people. Ban all the industries for one week and every month in order to reduce pollution. Oh, that's cool. Plant a thousand trees every day. All right. Kill those who oppose me. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. This guy's conflicted. Uh, ban all vehicles for three months, allowing only ambulance service and police service in the countries of large population. Allow fair trade in every country. Make my own strict constitution. Destroy all weapons around the world. Giving facilities to all and prevent growing population. I don't know. And last but not the least, destroying the whole world before I die. Okay. All right. How about this guy? I would engineer a plague that would wipe out four-fifths of humanity. This sounds like Thanos. Back to Marvel. Okay, but, you know, it's one, one half. The people I like will be immune to the pathogen. A year after the plague, we will emerge from underground bunkers armed with preserved technology like weaponry and medicine. We will conquer the world and subjugate the survivors to enslavement. Wow. I want to be that guy's friend. If he ever, if he got all, all the power. This is the thing. If you had all the power, maybe you'd want to do good for a while, but, but if your heart was selfish... If your heart had pride, if your heart was self-serving, you would eventually use that power for your own good. 
And, and, and this is what is so amazing about Jesus. As we look at Jesus, and Jesus didn't, he didn't, he didn't say, I have all the power. Now I want you all to serve me. Now I want you all to bow to my power. No, Jesus, it's incredible because he's God. Like, why would he do this? But look, he gets up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. Like, he, he basically stripped down. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is a thing. Back then, that was a disgusting... It's still a disgusting thing. I would hate to wash anybody's feet, except for maybe family. But even then, that's stretching it. <laughs> but... Jesus chose to do this, and back then they only wore sandals, and it was dusty and dirty. Feet were really, really disgusting. And actually, what you should do as soon as you walk into a place to eat, you need to get your feet washed. And usually there's a servant there to wash your feet. But this time, there was no servant there, and so it was all the disciples and Jesus. And what you should do is the person who's the least among you says, I'm going to wash everyone's feet. It was kind of like expected. And so what's not being said here is that none of the disciples said, I'll do it. I'll wash, I'll wash everyone's feet. And they actually, like you could, I, Jesus waited. He probably knew it was in their heart because he was God and all power and everything. But anyway, he waited and no one did it. And so actually during the meal, because you're all laying down, it's different than we sit around the table and you can't see feet. You can all see each other's feet and it's disgusting. Could you imagine eating during that time? Oh, Gross. Jesus decides to step in. See, no disciple was willing to say, yeah, you know what? I'm willing to claim the the role of least among us. Every one of them was jockeying for power and position. Every one of them wasn't willing to surrender. And so Jesus got up and said, you know, you guys should be doing this. He's not angry, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you what power is. And so he washes his disciples' feet. And I think it's such an incredible illustration of what it looks like. And you know what's so hard for us to grasp about this when we think about it is that we can understand God. If God is real and, and we know that he created all, the heavens and the earth and he knows all things and all things are in him through him. We know that God is God. We know he's all powerful, right? That's not too hard. If he's real, if you, if you make the step to believe in God, then believing that he's all powerful is not crazy. To believe that he's all-knowing is, is not crazy. Then believe that he's maybe everywhere, it's not crazy. But to believe that God is all-humble and that the core of who God is is a servant? That's crazy. Like God, bigger than anything, more magnificent, more fantastic, was willing to come and become a servant to each one of us. Like that's at who he is at the core. And actually we don't think about it too often because we don't want to be servants. We don't like that role. We don't like to think of ourselves as least important. We like to think of ourselves as more important. But Jesus is saying, here is the key to greatness. See, the world has it all mixed up. And so let's keep on going. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like Simon's, yes, that's what Jesus is doing. Anyway, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And this is the other area of pride that keeps us back from receiving and accessing all that God has for us is that our pride says we don't want help. We don't want anyone to serve us. You know what? Maybe you're really good at serving other people, but maybe you're terrible at receiving. The first step to seeing our pride broken within us is receiving the work of Jesus. 
And not just one time, not just saying, yes, I believe, wash me, God. It's every day saying, God, I know I need you today. I need your help. I need your thoughts. I need to help me interact with my wife and my kids. Help me think thoughts that are positive and not destroying. You know, help me, God. I, I am so desperate for you. But it's pride, even after we say yes to God one time, it's pride the rest of our lives saying, I can do this today on my own. Or not even thinking about receiving the help that God has for us. And if we aren't willing to receive what Jesus is offering, then we're going to lose. We're going to miss out. We're not going to live the life that God has for us. You know, Jesus doesn't need us to serve him, but we need him to serve us. We need it. Jesus doesn't need us to, he doesn't need to walk on this earth. He didn't need to come, but we needed him. He doesn't need us to love him. You know, he's not waiting around me like, oh, please, Jonathan, just love me today. He's not like a desperate, lost lover. Not that I have any of those. But he is, he, we need him to love us. And it's pride every day that says, you know, I got it on my own, God. I'm doing it today myself. Like, we need to tap into what he has for us. See, this is such a powerful demonstration. Oh, my goodness. All right. We got a few minutes. We're really done. So Jesus said here, now that I, your Lord, teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know what? Too often we have good intentions. It's a good theory to be a servant. It's a good theory to, to choose to be the least and to serve other people. But if you actually don't do it, then it's, it's not helping. Like, God has put people in our lives every day that we can see to serve like Jesus served us. Because Jesus is serving us, we can love other people that way. And so, I'm going to end with two, two thoughts, okay? Humility is a choice. It's not a gift. It's not a special attribute. It's not something that you should even pray for, right? He, Jesus never said, hey, pray to me for humility. Actually, it's a choice that you choose every day. I choose to be humble. And also, humility is not a feeling, it's not just something that you, oh, today I feel humble, so I'm going to help somebody. Today I feel, you know, humble, so I'm going to receive from God. No, humility is not a feeling. It's actually more of an action. And so if you want to know if you're a humble person, look at what you do. How are you living your life? Are you doing things that are humble? Because the more humble things you do, the more humble you will be. Does that make sense? It's really simple. You can't just sit there and think, mm, am I prideful or am I humble? I don't know. Who knows? No. Do the things that are humble and you will have humility in your life. And so I'm going to throw, up a, throw, up, throw out a few ideas for things that we can do every day. The things that you can do tomorrow to be humble. Okay. Serve others. We talked about this. And be okay without getting attention or praise for it. This is, this was gets me. I, I like to serve, but I also like attention and praise for it. Next. Allow others to serve you, Jesus and Peter. Criticize less others and yourself. See, a, a prideful heart will actually see the negative in other people. We'll see the negative and the downside and the, and the, the things that aren't quite good about that person or that thing or how they did or how they sang. I'm from a very judgmental family. Like, it, it's, it's hard because I have a critical spirit. I know I do. If I ever talk with any of you, I will think of 10 bad things about, you know, I'm teasing. But I am. I can be really critical about myself and other people. But see, the thing is, is that we need to criticize less. A humble person sees the good and celebrates in that person. It does not tear down every other person. 
Have a sense of humor about your own failures. This is really good. Have you ever met someone who doesn't laugh at themselves? You're like, whoa, you're prideful. Okay. (laughs) Celebrate the significance of others. This is one that you can do so easily. It doesn't cost you anything to celebrate what other people do that are good. Say, hey, when you did that, that was awesome. Hey, I love how you do this. I love how you take time to do this. I love this. Celebrate the significance of others. Don't take success too seriously. We get wrapped up in our own world and our own focus, our own goals that we, we get so serious about it that we get tunnel vision about us and what we want and we get prideful about those things and finally be open-minded pride will cause you to only see things your own way and you know that is a big problem with the church as it is today because a lot of us are very we think we have one way and we know it and we need to do it we need to tell people the wrong you know they're wrong and that isn't exactly how jesus operated so we need to have an open mind and so finally worship team come on up peter wrote a letter to the church. And this was years and years and years after he had the experience of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And he says this to, to the church, all of you, clothe yourself with humility. And if you look at that, that Greek word, it actually means it's like the apron of humility. It's like, like what Jesus did when he took off his autogram and he put on that towel. That is basically what he's saying. He's alluding to all this, like this is what this is our attitude, and this is what we need to have towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. It's really hard to think and to see whether you're humble or prideful. It, it, it can get caught up in your mind. And I've thought about it a lot over my life. Like, am I prideful? Am I humble? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, and this is the thing. If we take this attitude in our heart towards other people, if we put on the apron of humility, if we're willing to see people the way that they actually can be seen, if we're willing to hear people, like my argument with Selah, I wasn't hearing her. I was just, she was hitting a wall and, 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 and I was going right back at her. You know, like we need humility in our relationships. The problem is if, if, if we're going to live by pride, we're not going to grow. We're not going to receive the help we need. We're not going to have relationships that are healthy. Like pride is at the root of so many bad things. And so it, it can be really uh, ambiguous pride. But hopefully today we can see some of the ways that we can combat pride in our own lives. And I re- we're handing out cards. Those are just suggestions. Try to do some of these things this week. Serve somebody. Let someone serve you. Let someone help you this week. So often we try to, you know, but let someone do that. You know, Be less critical in your relationships this week or at work this week. I don't remember all the other ones. They're on your card. But um, let's stand up together. I don't think it's crazy to think that in the future, most of you are going to have more power than you do right now. You're going to have more influence in, in people's lives. And so as you gain power, it's really important that we deal with any kind of pride in our lives. And so, God, we just give you our pride, and we just pray that you would, you would help us see it for what it is. And, God, I pray that today and tomorrow and the next day, we could go out and do the humble things that we're called to do. Lord, that we would make the choice every day to be humble. Jesus, that we could see your example, that when you had all power, what you chose to do is to stoop the lowest, to serve those around you. God, I pray that we would be motivated by love and service like you were. And Jesus, I pray, you know, that some of us right here, right now that need to receive 
from Jesus. Jesus came to take away our sins. He came to make us free. And some of us are just too prideful to say, okay, Jesus, I receive it. Help me. We're like Peter. No, 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 you can't, God. You can't do this. So some of us have to say yes to Jesus today. Yes, I receive your help. Yes, take away my sin. Take away my shame. It was Jesus who loved us so much that he stepped into the mess of our lives. And he wasn't repulsed by what he saw, but he was motivated by love to free us. It was Jesus who chose to serve and wash these guys' feet to show us what power and greatness really looks like. So Jesus, we don't want to get caught up in the selfie generation, the idea of how much fame and praise and how great we can feel about ourselves. We want to be great like you were great, Jesus. So help us do that now. Let's just close our eyes. If, if you want Jesus' help, if you want to say, you know what, I am tired of fighting my own battles. I know I need help. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand up and pray with me. Jesus, we know you love us so greatly. And we know that you've come to help us, to save us, to love us. And so, Jesus, we welcome your help. We welcome your life, your power, your forgiveness, your grace, your peace, all the things that you want to give to us. Thank you, God. And God, I pray that as a church, Lord, we could act in humility as we go out, God. As we go out into the workplace, into our lives, into our families, God, I pray that we could choose humility in all that we do. If you guys know that you want, you know, you struggle with pride, or if there's something in your heart that that holds you back from fully surrendering to God, um, or if there's anything else going on in your life and you need God to to heal you or to help you, we're going to have people over there to pray for us. And you can go on over there, and it's, it's really easy. All you got to do is swallow your pride and say, hey, I need help. You know, it's so hard sometimes to be like, yes, I need help, but sometimes you do. And so if you're going through something and you want someone to pray for you, there's people over there on this side that will pray for you. So God, let's pray, God, that you would work this humility into our lives. In Jesus' name. So Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for the example that you set for us, God. And God, I pray that we could go out and we could walk out what you have given to us, God. That we could choose to be humble, God. That we could put, continue to put uh, death to self, God. That we wouldn't be living for ourselves, but we could live for so much greater, for a greater purpose, for a greater reason, God. And we choose to be great in you, God. And thank you for what you've given to us, God. And that we don't have to hide away, we don't have to shrink away, but we can live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.